If you enter the name of today's guest into IBDB.com, you'll get a response that fills more than seven pages, and by my own estimate, that's not even a complete listing of his work on Broadway over the past 30 years. He's not an actor, director, author, designer, or composer, yet he's been integral to countless shows and probably had a key role in your decision to see those shows over the course of his career, even though you probably don't know his face or voice. Welcome to the American Theatre Wing's Downstage Center. I'm Howard Sherman, Executive Director of the American Theatre Wing, and I'm pleased to introduce you to one half of the leadership of the eponymously named public relations firm Bono Brian Brown, Adrian Brian Brown. Hi, Adrian. Hi, Howard. Boy, <laughs> that was quite a build-up. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's startling, and of course, on a practical level, startling. it's the firm's name that's there, so we might say that half of the shows were really done by your partner, Chris, and you had a hand in half of them, but but who knows? No, no, I, I did them all. You did them all? I did them all. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's start by just very briefly having you explain to our listeners what your role is as press agent, publicist, what what do you like to be called? Right, right. I, it's, I mean, it's very hard to define. Um, I, I am a press agent, um, but that's becoming a rather redundant term as, as the press becomes some other kind of media. Um, and so I think we're publicists, we're opinion makers, we're press consultants. There's all sorts of euphemisms, but, but basically we're drum beaters. And, and I think we've been around since the beginning of uh, any kind of entertainment with the people that shout loud. We, we tell you about a show. We tell you a show's coming. And, um, and, and there's, there's a million ways that can be done. And I think what's extraordinarily exciting right now is that it's, it's in a complete change. It's a, it's a time of great change um, as we see the, the press changing, as we see the way people live their lives and what they choose for entertainment changing radically. Um, I think it's an am- amazing time to be a press representative um, because the message you're sending out and how you're sending that message um, is is changing so much. And the vehicles that you can use to tell the story of why people should go to a show, why they'd want to go to a show is changing so much. Um, so I'm, I'm getting off topic. But, but what we do is we tell you a show is happening. We beat the drums. You're not taking us off topic, so yeah. let's go into what you were just saying. You did your first Broadway show in 79, I think. Uh, I, I think probably around so then, yes. So it is, it is a 30th anniversary, at least for Broadway with you. But over those 30 years, how has it changed and what is it now that's truly fundamentally changing the job that you do? Right. I, I, I think what, what, what's really changed is... Um, the speed with which we can have an impact and the speed with which we can move information around. Um, you know, in in the um, early 80s, there was still a very healthy newspaper system and it was the primary means of communication for um, news. Um, a newspaper delivered news and that was the where people went for it. And our job is to get that news to the papers to deliver to the consumer. And at that time, the, 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 the sort of really exciting development was how broadcast was really exploding, television was exploding, the entertainment coverage was, was changing and exploding on TV and on radio. And, and you know, we felt at that time that the future was going to be television. So going from a culture that read and got their information from newsprint, it was going to switch over to a broadcast culture. And I think what has happened in 30 years is we've been through that cycle and we're now at a 
completely new area where it is it's a word of mouth culture again uh, word of mouth being the most important thing that sells tickets um, but we've got a situation where everyone has the power to reach millions of other people um, through the internet through the social networks and the reach and influence of the alcohol and traditional means of newspapers and TV that we we grew up with or I grew up with have now become sidelined and they're still very important and they're very important for the people who are already committed to be interested in theatre but now it's very much about the message getting out by the internet and social networks which is coming from a whole new range of voices and a whole new range of people who who have different interests from those of 30 years ago who were trying to sell newspapers or were passionate about the arts, you've now got a lot of individuals who have totally different and diverse opinions. And I think that's fascinating, and I think it's really exciting, and I think it's actually a great opportunity for everyone. I think it's never been a more challenging but never been more interesting and fruitful time to actually promote anything, be it detergent or be it a Broadway show. The Internet and social networks have, in a certain way, democratized opinion. Everyone can put their opinion out cheaply or for nothing, virtually, if they own a computer, um, across vast distances. Um, How people find it is another issue. You, through your firm, I see you Twittering. I see... Bono Brian Brown officially twittering. I see many of your associates twittering. Um, there are email notices that you send out within the industry. Um, how much do you find that stuff really getting out to affect people? Because not only do I see it from you, but I see it from various offices. And at a certain point, does it become does it does it blur it and well, and not have the impact? That once upon a time a single press release could have. Right. I I, I think I think that that's the the other the other fundamental change too is that that the the strategy of thirty years ago was very much about finding the two or three places that reach the most people who might be interested in Broadway, and and telling the story there and getting the information there. Now, because the lifespan of the information is such, you know, if if it used to be if you got a weekend story or you've got a weekly magazine story, that would have influence or be seen by people for three or four days after it actually ran. And and it would have a life. Now that kind of information lasts for as long as it's on screen. It's such a short time span. And you what what rather than expecting, you know, the the, the cover of Time magazine to be your your great goal that's fine, but that, that has a reach that's very small compared to now when a new story clicks and is then picked up and is virally spread, which reaches hundreds of millions of people potentially around the world and, and keeps going. It rolls. It evolves. And so you're right. I, you know, each statement we put out is, has way less impact than landing a press release 20 years ago, 30 years ago in the New York Times, but each little bit of that information has the potential to carry on. And, and we also we have to put out more information now to counter the fact that there's more noise. We, we have to try and get to the top of the Google list. You have to be the latest information about anything. And the way you do that is by putting out more information. So, 
yes, we're chasing our tails. We are, we are really putting out way more information than we ever needed to before because there's an appetite for it and because it goes away so quickly. So it, it, it really is about trying to keep top of mind by being top of the pile of all this information going out. And I, it, it sounds rather crass, but actually it's, it, it should be layered information, it should be new information, so that every time anyone Googles a particular show, say they want to learn about Jersey Boys, they should learn that they were just on the Oprah show, or they should learn that they just did an appearance at a mall somewhere, so, so that there's some new angle, new hook, something that would say, oh, is that what they're up to? And you can't, that, that doesn't work anymore with being a nice feature story that one runs once and then you don't see anything for three months because the information is gone. It lasts such a short time. And we are all being bombarded in every direction, um, you know, w- with these messages. So, so I think volume, good or bad, is, is the way to cut through a lot of that. One of the things that drives the popularity of the social networks, the viral uh, pickup, is strong opinion yeah. and and a personal voice. Right. So in the work that you do for the firm, can there be a voice to what you're putting out? Or are you putting out the equivalent of pre- frequent press releases to the world, hoping that other people will find them interesting and it, add a voice to you, it? You got it. I, I think it has to be a combination of both. You know, our, our jobs is to obviously present our productions and our producers in the best light possible. And, and so we're going to hopefully present something that is of interest. If it turns out to be provocative and then that you know, tr- triggers a longer trail, that can be great. Um, I don't believe that any publicity is good publicity. I, I think we're there to also steer the course. It's important to be top of mind, but if it's relentlessly downbeat top of mind, it's, it's not going to do it. So, so you're right. It's it's a very tricky part because we're not we're not commentators. We're not Paris Hilton who can have a bitchy attitude about anything. You know, we are there to represent things in a good light. Um, we're not Pollyanna, though. I mean, we're, we're trying to present it in a, in a in an interesting way that isn't dippy, but but at the same time, we're not going to point out when something's in trouble to try and raise attention. It it it, it doesn't make sense. There's too many other people who can do that. And happily do. And happily do. <laughs> Much you know? to our dismay yeah, sometimes. Yeah, no, that's right. You know, so. so let's jump back before we talk more just about the state of, of theatrical PR. Um, I want to ask you, how did, uh, how did you come to doing this? How what, did I come to uh, this? Well, it's, it's, um, I, I, I had a very um, fortunate upbringing, actually, that I, I grew up in England and New York. My folks moved to New York, but I was sent, sent to school in England. And I had a grandmother who um, was a, a theater nut and as a kid used to take me to see lots of theater in the West End. So, I again, I was spoiled rotten. I got to see Olivier and I got to see all, all the theatrical nights do stuff in the West End, which was fantastic. Um, I mean, she was an amazing lady. She was actually um, in the original London production of Showboat with Paul Robeson. Mm-hmm. Um, she was one of the girls in the chorus, Miss Lorraine. And... Um, so, you know, I, 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 I liked theater from an early age, although I wasn't crazy about it. I far preferred movies. So when my folks came to New York, um, my mother, who's also a theater nut, took me to all the musicals. So I saw all the great musicals of the 70s, um, sort of the chorus line the week it opened. And I mean, I, I just, th- th- there was a lot of um, American classic musical 
thrown at me at a young age. And again, I liked it and I was happy to go, but, but I'd rather be at the movies. So I grew up in both countries, as I say, and, and when I got out of school, um, my folks made a deal with me. They said, if you get a, a, a degree in something sensible, we'll help you go to film school. Well, let's not pass. So, so how did a zoology degree be? I, was know, it sensible? I, I, you know, it's, it's, I, um, I, I didn't want to do like a liberal arts course, but they weren't around when I was that in, in those days um, and I really didn't want to do hard sciences I didn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer so I figured that the most artistic if you like of the sciences is biology I mean it's the most interpretive and, and I and I guess that's why I'd always enjoyed it and I sort of fell into it but there, there was no question of being a pre-med or anything it was just okay I'll, I'll get a degree in something interesting is it um, like algebra that ultimately, though, you don't find yourself using it in real life? Um, no, no, I know. I, I, I think, you know, biology is very, very useful. Um, it's certainly all that Latin is very helpful in, in uh, sort of language and so forth. And so, I, I you know, I, it's, I, I find it fascinating. I still do. I mean, I, I, I think one of the most amazing vacations you can take is going somewhere like the Galapagos. I, I just think it's, hey, it's animals. It's primal. Um, but no, so, so okay, so my folks said, do this and we'll support you or try and help you, you know, get through film school because I was determined I wanted to be the next Spielberg at that time. So I, um, I, I got through, got my biology degree, and I went to UCLA and did some summer courses, and I thought, you know what, I really don't like Los Angeles. Uh, I, I just couldn't stand it. I was a, an East Coast kid, and, you know, I, at the time, I just I, I didn't get it. Now I love it, and it's the, one of the other places I would live if I wasn't in New York. But um, so I was, I was in New York, and I, I was um, just doing odd jobs. Um, not quite sure what to do next. I was, I was working Carvel. I make a great cookie puss. Um, Always and, good depth, something to I, fall back I, you on. You got it, and and, uh, and um, yeah, no, and I can do great mint flying sauces. Um, and then I, um, I was also doing photocopy. Um, some of the younger listeners may remember or may not remember that in Once Upon a Time you actually had to go to a place that made photocopies and um, after you typed your manuscript on a typewriter. <laughs> and I worked there for a bit. And then just a friend of a friend said, um, there's a woman at Lincoln Center who needs um, help. Um, she's, she's not that well and she, she really needs someone to just run the office and do stuff. And I thought, okay, I'll go see what this is about because she was working for various theater companies. Now, at that point, the only off-Broadway show I'd been to was a show called El Grande de Coca-Cola. Um, I had never been to an off-Broadway show. Apart from that, I'd done, you know, I kept up pretty much with Broadway, but I, I just hadn't been exposed to that. Well, um, Susan Block at that point represented the Chelsea Theatre Company, uh, which has since gone under. She represented the Phoenix Theatre, which is a venerable theatre that has since gone under. And she represented the Roundabout Theatre Company. Um, and on top of doing these these off-Broadway institutions, she also did visiting dance companies. So she did the Béjar Ballet, and they were doing a season at the Minskoff, and she did the Netherlands Dance Theatre, who were doing a couple of seasons at, at City Centre. Um, so I was, you know, I went as an intern, and for a few weeks I worked there, and just immersed in this very different but really exciting world. And what triggered immediately in me was the um, obsession with detail that is helpful if you're a press agent. It's, it's the, the clipping of newspapers, the, 
the, you know, the pouring over material, the, the looking for stories and making the connections. You know, why does the story run? I mean, it's very a journalistic feeling, really. It's, it's why is that story in the paper? Why is that news story particularly interesting? What, 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 why did that get prominence? Why is that on the cover? Why is that particular celebrity being photographed? Um, and I then got the extra thrill of realizing that sometimes when you put out a press release, a couple of days later, you'd actually see it in print. So, so almost a sense of empowerment, realizing that if you get the right information to the right person, it, it can flower and become something more than that and ultimately sell tickets. So it, it's a very, um, it's very simplistic way of looking at it, but, but I, I related very much to the, I, the process. I, I sort of got the process right away. And, and also the storytelling part. I mean, everyone loves to tell a story, and, and as a press rep, you, you get to do that all the time. You, you're looking for great stories to tell. Um, and then, you know, I was there for a few weeks or a bit longer, a few months, and I said, guys, you have to pay me. And <laughs> oh, that hadn't come up and, initially. Well, you know, it had a little bit, but I, uh, <laughs> you know, sort of part-timing making cookie pusses at Carvel and, and then, um, you know, coming in without any sleep to, to work in the office. I, I, they got that, and, and um, so I settled in there for a while, and, and sadly Susan died a little bit after that. Mm-hmm. And um, her cousin and I ran what was left of the business for a while, and then I went in-house at Roundabout, um, beginning what has on and off been a 30-year relationship. So, so that, that's how I fell into it. There no academic qualification, no journalistic background, um, just you know, a, college, a college degree in zoology. You know, hmm. so. And all on the job. And all on the job. And, and, I, and I think even in our office now, we find that, that the the way to find you have an aptitude for it is is kids come in and they, they spend a few weeks with us and they look at the process and they do it. And they, they also have that feeling. People who want to do it really get it. They, they see that connection of how to distribute information and, and, uh, and, and what effect you can have. And I also think, too, that just talking a bit more about the role, it, it is one of two jobs maybe in the theater where you can have license to really deal with everyone connected with production. You know, I, I, th- I see the frustration in associate producers who are, you know, who, who are not meant to be talking to the director directly, you know, who are not meant to be um, dealing with the box office, who are not meant to be doing a lot of things because it's, it's not their role. You know, they're, they're, they're important. You couldn't do a show without them. But, 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 but the press agent really is responsible for dealing with everyone who comes in connection with a production or with a theater and that's great i mean you know i love designers i mean they, they blow me away the, the creativity there um i like most actors you know it, it, it's it's a very it's it's it, it's very social at the same time on a very business level but but you really you 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 get to be part of these people's lives and see how they work and and what their priorities are and and how how you can help them um, by telling their story and how you can help them by keeping their story out of the spotlight. Mm-hmm. So I, it's, um, I, I love it. Your bio says that uh, the Broadway production, which, as I recall, was a transfer from Roundabout, was Taste of Honey right. in 79. Yeah. But presumably, were you the lead uh, press agent on that, or, or were you still an assistant? Um, I, 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 I was an assistant. Um, I, you know, it, was, it was a situation where um, I was an assistant... Um, 
who who was kind of taking over at that point. You know, I don't remember, but 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 it, it's I, I remember doing all the work, hmm. <laughs> and 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 you know, and it was that that was that was a very. I mean, it was a very exciting production, not just because I felt it was the first Broadway show, but it was it was in the old Billy Rose horseshoe underneath the uh, Paramount Hotel. Was it Paramount? Mm-hmm. It's not a theater? Or I, no, it's, I it's, no it's, it's, it's a basement. I mean, it's, it's, it, they, they filled it in. Um, and it was kind of a nightclub, and it, it had some interesting shows in the past. But it was, um, you know, it was Amanda Plummer's sort of, um, Broadway debut. Um, and she had been... Or I can't remember. It was four after? No, she must have been that year. Um, she was nominated for two Tonys that year um, for Agnes of God as well. Oh, was it the same year? Yeah. Really? So huh. it, it just it sort of dovetailed into that. So it, that was very exciting. Um, and also, you know, I was I was very happy with my my former country being a British play and and being a play on Broadway. I mean, it, it was it was it was. It was a very sort of exciting but also manageable experience. Hmm. You know, it wasn't being thrown into the middle of a big musical or something. It was a very, it was a very, um, it was a warm, fun experience. I mean, and um, and Tony Tan, the director, was a sweetheart. So the, the whole the whole mix was great. Now, in New York press offices, typically there's one or two people at the top, and then there's a number of associates, and then usually the assistants below them. Right. Um, what was the first show that was really from the get-go? You were going to be right, the, right. the lead person on the show. God, I, I, I just don't. I, I don't. Is that <laughs> Should I hand you the seven and a half pages of yeah, your credits? No, I, I just really no. It's it's it's. I mean, what, what what's been really? I feel very fortunate about is I've I've had several mentors along the way, um, but but I've always. I mean, the theatre is a collaborative process, and the people who um, c- can can be happy with that or work well in that environment, I feel the most successful. Even the most dictatorial directors still have an extraordinary collaborative process with their designers and with their leading actors. And, and I think that sense of collaboration is... I've, I've never... I've never felt like this is completely mine, and I never really wanted to, you know, because because I I feel I I'm I'm a catalyst. I'm I'm someone who is helping this move along. It's helping it run longer. It's helping get the word out. Um, I I would never pretend that it's mine. I can feel responsible for making it more successful than it might have been for some reason. Um, so so I'm I'm sort of I guess I'm most proud of being associated with people who I think are geniuses, like designers, directors, I mean, and and being fortunate enough to be able to work with them rather than feel, feeling complete ownership of anything. Hmm. Well, that leads me to two questions. The first being, do you invest emotionally in the shows that you represent? I I do, and and, and sometimes that can be very hard because... You know, we, we are sometimes privy to information, like, you know, when reviews are coming out, say. It may be a production we love, and we may love everyone in it. And we've also, remember, spent a lot of time there. We've seen the show 50 times. We've we've spent hours and hours with everyone involved. You know, we've handheld really nervous directors or actors. And, 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 and so w- when you get to that point where you've spoken to a few critics before the reviews are actually in print and they're telling you they're not going to give good reviews, 
you do feel personally hurt. And, you know, even though you, you, you've, you've kept a professional distance, but still you, you, you feel for the people. And you also feel for the fact you're not going to get a paycheck in a couple of weeks. But, 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 it, but it, you, you, you can't help but get really tied up with it. And I, it wouldn't be much fun if you weren't. I mean, as, as much as that can be painful, if, if it was rote or if it was just, oh, here comes another one, you know, why do it? It's, it's, not, it's hard enough. And I think sometimes th- there might be a subject matter that I don't particularly like or an actor I don't think is particularly good. But you always find on every production there's some aspect of it or, or something about it that you are very passionate about. And it, you don't have to fight to do that. Just, hmm. just being around it and doing it, it evolves. And sometimes people say, oh, my God, that show. And you go, you know what? But we had such a good time with that company and, and they tried so hard. You know, you, you, can't, you, can't, you, you can't judge it, I mean, by, by what the show is in the same way as, as, as you think someone producing a show about a certain topic, say Les Miserables, what, what a dumb idea for a musical. You, you, you know, until it actually happens and everyone goes through that experience, it, it would have been really dumb if it hadn't worked. And, and, and I but think it's genius when it does. It, and it's brilliant when it does. Hindsight's wonderful. Yeah. But it's interesting, in my press agent days, people would often ask, when I was in institutional theaters, and you know, they'd say, well, what do you think of the show? And, and my response was, I'm paid to like it. Ask me after it closes. Right. right no, but listen, I, I, I know certain general managers who are like that, you know, who absolutely say, I'm, I'm just here to make it run smoothly. And, you know, I... I of course, we all we all we all second guess and we all say, "Why on earth would you produce this?" But but even with that show where you would say, "Why on earth would you produce this?" I, I will find something that 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 I can be passionate about, mm-hmm. and and part of that is too that that you're always looking for the story or the angle, and if you don't have a celebrity and you have a strange show or you have a show that's about um, you know farmers in the late nineteenth century. I mean, the things that have no resonance culturally now or no particular interest now, it, y- you, you, your mind just goes to, okay, but then, then who's designed it? What kind of fabric are they using in the costume? What's that lighting instrument they're using that I haven't seen before? Y- y- your mind goes to that to, to find the news, the story. Hmm. Um, and, and, in, and in doing that, you do become um, embedded. Mm-hmm. With that breadth of knowledge, with the relationships that you develop, have you ever thought, I'd like to create the show myself? There are things I want to see on stage that people aren't doing, and I know all of these people. Have you ever wanted to produce? To produce, yeah. Um, You know, I... I see what it does to people. <laughs> you know, and, and, and that I, cures you. <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I think there's certain aspects of, of, of course, you know, that 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 you know, you think, wow, wouldn't it be great to find, or to, God forbid, write, but wouldn't it be great to find a really exciting new young script, and to give that person the opportunity to get out there and to make a killing? <laughs> Would that be great? And of, of course, but but I, I've never. I, I, I kind of, I, I guess, you know, good press agents are in, fall into the role of uh, going back to being catalyst. I'd rather help that process. Um, 
I, you know, and I guess I don't feel that passionately about one particular story or one particular script. I haven't, I haven't seen it yet. And, and, I, and I wouldn't be uh, smug enough to think I could write it myself, you know. So it, it's, it's I, I'm sure if something came along, I would, um, I would jump at it. But, but it's not, I'm not on the lookout. I, I'm, I'm, I'm more eager to, I mean, the megalomania part is the more eager is, is to shape what's coming and, and to, 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 you know, what new way can we tell the story about this show? What new way can I persuade people to tell other people about it? What, that to me is, is, is the, where so the ego satisf- satisfaction comes from, mm. ra- rather than thinking I need my name in lights or you know it's it's what what, what can I do to get this message out? And, mm. I want to ask two very similar questions. The first being the simple, unnuanced question: Is there in the past? We won't talk leaving out anything you're currently working it, on yes. or expect to be working on soon. But is there a favorite show for you? That that you did that you just truly loved. I, I think I mean the, the, the one that that everything just really rolled and and kind of um, in in a way beat the odds was the f- the original production of Big River um, because it was it was produced by people who weren't really Broadway producers. At the time, they now, now so now you know running the NEA, <laughs> <laughs> but but you know, and but surrounding the, the world with Jersey Boys. There you and go. And yeah, so no, so so I mean, but but it but it was it was um, it, it was one that was just the determination and the commitment of of people who were very experienced, but not in Broadway per se, um, and how they they everything just moved along and it didn't get particularly good reviews and it and it was always a bit of an underdog and it was never really accepted by the whole Broadway community of the time but but it just kept going from strength to strength and it won the Tony Award and it had a successful run and it sent out great tours and and that then then um, you know Death West did this extraordinary production of it when it was revived and and you know Roger Miller, the composer, who was a bit of a country star or quite a big country star. He was he was just sort of blown away by it all, and, and so so it was really um, it was it was just a very exciting time because it was it was a little engine, it was a little show that could, and and everyone wasn't necessarily rooting for it, but the whole team was very cohesive in a way, and 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 so often we deal with shows where something goes off whack and two or three people on the team can't deal with it, or they can't keep up, or they become embittered. Whereas this, everything, no matter what little family problems there were along the way, just came, just moved along. And and it was just a very exciting experience. It, it just became this little show that could. And and, and so that made it, 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 it was just great. My variant on this question is, is there a show, again, in the past where you are particularly proud of the campaign you created or the work that you did to make people aware of the show? Right. I think, and, and, and this is, it doesn't really count because it's a revival. I think the, uh, the Jerry Zach's revival of Guys and Dolls was, was one where I, I, that, that was when I really understood how 
you know, magazine covers and national TV breaks at the time meant something. You know, it, it wasn't just producer's vanity of framing it and putting it on the wall and thinking, isn't that nice? And and I felt that we we upset people along the way, but the job that was done, uh, we, we hurt feelings, you know, because cause people were left out of the process. And, and so, you know, some people became very famous. Some mm-hmm. people became very successful. Um, and... But 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 as a, I I, I really felt that the the work that that we did in our office really positioned it and and it it just went crazy. I mean it it became a landmark for a while, which is like a press agent's dream. You know, it's it's people talk about going to New York to see guys and dolls. You know mm-hmm. that that sort of feeling and um, and I think we were instrumental in the timing on, on everything that went on because there was there were major challenges. In, in the production, and there were, um, you know, an actress was replaced. I mean, all sorts of things were going on, um, but 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 just the rollout, the timing, and everything. I think we were very instrumental in in shaping, and mm. yeah, that was it. That was cool. And I'll make a trilogy of questions on this theme. Um, is there a show that you truly believed in that didn't get its due? That you believed it should right, have. Right, right. I <laughs> most. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, it's it's w- w- part of the the embedded thing is you, you do you do lose perspective. Um, you know, I mean that there there are shows that I didn't think were wonderful, but I thought were really enjoyable. Um, that you know you, you figured well, you were probably going to get beaten up, but you did never realize the severity of it. Um, and you know I, you're, you're going to get hate mail on this, or maybe not. But uh, but I thought the Broadway Footloose. I thought that this is not high art, but this is a great entertainment. Mm-hmm. That th- this is a great populist entertainment. And I and I was really surprised at how bitter and angry um, the critics were. The, the, they were offended by it. And and I think that's what happens more frequently than one particular production. You go. You know well, what? What did they do to you know to upset the critics so much? And um, so I, I, I really can't think of one, but I, I just think it's it's sometimes you are just sort of slightly, well, totally sideswiped by wow, was it was it really that bad? And I know that ninety percent of that is once you're working on a show, you lose objectivity because you started with it in the rehearsal room where you've literally sat three feet away from someone acting their life out. So it's going to be incredibly moving. You know, you, you've seen it through the dress rehearsals and you've seen it through the tech rehearsals and always oh, a bit shaky, but once it gets to an audience, it'll be fine. Then you see it with the first audience, which most preview audiences, the first preview audience is ecstatic. doesn't matter what the show's like. Um, just because people are excited, it's a new show, they're there. And, and so that gives you, oh, okay, maybe we're fine. And so your defenses go down. And then two or three weeks later when you actually open and it, the show is decimated by the critics, you, you're, you're not prepared. And um, what's hard for us is to, being embedded, to have, have some objectivity to try and cushion the creative team and the producers from this in the sense that if, if you get the buzz that it's maybe not going to be such good reviews, to gently prepare them. You know, or or not, 
you know, if that's going to make them even more anxious, just, you know, be there to hold their hand when they come out and, and they're not so good. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I don't think I don't think there's one show that was it comes to mind, but several have 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 you just feel like, wow, that, you know, what do they do? What do they do? Mm. Talking about critics, you do have that issue of there's a group of people that you are assigned to work with over who, who are hired by complete other entities yeah. and they are free to voice their opinions as they see fit. Um, how do you, how do you continue to work on a daily basis when people, with people who at times you might feel are being unfair to shows, um, that, that you feel, feel pretty good about? Yeah. No, I, I, I think that the, the, there has to become a professional objectivity and, and w- most critics, don't want to be part of the community. They're journalists. They are separate. They, they are not hired by the industry. They are not part of the industry, um, which actually we can go on to another tangent on that in a second, which is fascinating. But, 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 but they, are, the, you know, they are reporters. They are news people. And they're, they're remitted slightly different in that they are allowed to have opinion in their, in their news reporting. So I think... You know, I, I, I get mad. You know, I get mad at John Simon almost every other time he writes a review. But but at the same time, I respect the fact that he's a clever writer. And frankly, I'm, I'm glad that he's on Bloomberg, where it's not right in the face of most theatergoers. <laughs> so, you know, it, it's not as, as, as directly um, antagonistic. But, you know, I, I think a lot of the time, you know, I, I think that is so mean or that that is so unnecessary. Um and, you know, you, you keep a very civil relationship, even under those circumstances. But you also, you, you, don't, you don't fake it. You don't, you don't schmooze when, when they've been unpleasant. So it's, it's a professional relationship. It's, it's you, 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 and you can be as mad as hell, and you just, you, you might even tell them sometimes. You say, boy, that was tough, or whatever. Um, I do think that, that what has changed in, in, again, the 30 years is that you, you, when I was sort of being trained and starting out, you, you would never question a critic, even if they'd said something ridiculous, or you'd never comment on it. An outraged producer might, but you wouldn't because you felt you had an ongoing relationship. I think now um, I would certainly say, boy, I thought you were rough on that. Or I'd say, come on, that was a bit much. And... and I, you know, you don't live in the fear that that would somehow be resented and passed on to the next review or something. Um, but I think also what's happened is, is the 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 way the critic impacts something has changed so much, and and there's fewer people who are pure critics anymore. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, say if if the New York Times doesn't like something, you go on their website and they've got readers' reviews up the kazoo. Um, they have kind of almost diminished their own status by doing that um, and so I think you know you, you know, I can be mad with a critic and I can certainly tell them to their face I thought that was a really nasty thing to say um, but but it's I would also never pretend to be a friend of a critic and I, and I, I it's a professional relationship hmm. we've we've been talking about a lot of mechanics I want to ask you about um 
the relationship we've talked about designers and things like that the relationship with actors where i think there are um cliches of what stars can be like and and all of that and i just like to ask you you know overall you know what is the experience of working with actors and and Again, I'm only asking in this case, have, have there been particular people who, who, for you, in doing your job, you found it particularly rewarding to work with? Right. No, it's, it's um, I mean, so the generalizations, yeah. You know, we always have to keep in mind what kind of emotional stress actors are under or theater actors are under. Um, you know, when, when a movie star or a bunch of movie stars goes on a movie junket, their film is in the can, it's finished, it's edited, they've even seen it a few times. They are going to a room with a bunch of journalists who've also just seen the movie. And those journalists can say things like, why did you wear that costume in the third scene or whatever? And they can laugh it off. They never have to do it again. It's done. And they've moved on to their other projects anyway. The only reason they're talking to the press is because it's in their contract they have to. Um, with a theatre actor, any time you expose them to the press... It's potentially raising self-doubt. They are, they are going to be... If, if someone said to them, you know, that, that dress you wear in the second act, why did they choose that color? Now, that actor has to go on stage and it's going to be thinking all the time, does this color really look that bad? Or is, is there something... So the slightest thing, even to the most balanced actor, because they've always got to be thinking about their performance. It's fresh every night. They're always... Can, can throw them. So... You must have an extraordinary trust with actors that you're not going to subject them to anything or you're going to prepare them. You're going to say, this person may ask some really stupid questions, but actually the pieces they write are quite good. Um, so, you know, the, it's, it's so much in the preparation. So I think, I mean, fascinating, you know, sort of d- degrees of... of um, of, of working with the press. I mean, some actors just aren't very good at it, and they kind of know it. So a lot of people who say, I don't do press, is because they can't do interviews. They're, they're, just, they're not trained to. They're trained to say other people's lines. They're not trained to say their own. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I always remember, you know, when I was working on um, a production of Old Times, the Pinterplay, um, a long time ago with Anthony Hopkins, he really didn't like doing the press, but he kind of understood it. And, and... And so he, he went on the reward system. You know, he would do an interview and then we'd go out and have some chili or something. You know, it's so, so he, he... Nice to know Anthony Hopkins' well, prize is a bowl of chili. Well, no, but, you know, but and, and who knows now? Now. <laughs> yes, now all these maybe, maybe have gone up. Okay. But no, but, but, I, but I meant he, he, he wanted reassurance. Mm-hmm. You know, and I totally get that. He, he, it was, okay, he agreed to do the interview, then afterwards he wanted to, to feel comfortable and... and, and and, and maybe make sure he hadn't made a fool of himself in his mind, which he hadn't because he's eloquent and funny. So, um, and then someone like Phil Bosco, um, who's you know wonderful New York stage actor, um, who has probably been in more off-Broadway and Broadway shows than any other actor in New York as a, as a leading man over the years. Um, you know, he, he just does press or whatever. And, and again, would be someone who afterwards would sort of sit down and want to have a, a coffee or something and not microanalyze it, but just, just talk more about it, was interested in the process of, you know, 
what did we just say? Was this worth doing? Does anyone read that paper anymore? You know, and um, so so I think on the whole, it's it's not so much the ego that they want to see their name in print or want to see their picture on the blog. It's it's more they're curious about the process. How does this help sell tickets? You know, because actors, you know, they often say, is, is this really worth doing? Does anyone see this? You know, and all that sort of stuff. And so, um, you know, it's, it's the, the, the people who've been doing this for a while, they, they get it, you know, that they feel comfortable with that. And then you've got, you know, some younger actors, and I, I won't name names, who, who are... Darn. Who, <laughs> who, who normally have, you know, personal press reps or whatever, who, who are just concerned about the placement of the story. You know, it's cover or nothing sort of thing, and and you think, okay, but 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 you know, an actor in 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 the press scenario in the theatre should only do enough press to sell the show out. You know, the, the, Explain that. So so the, the, there is no point once the show is open and running of an actor doing press if the show is selling out. Now, I, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm talking more about a limited engagement, say. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, they don't need to. They, they should save it because they're going to have a movie project or another play or something, and, and they will want to go back to the Today Show, and the Today Show is going to say, we just had you on. Save it. So, so I think, um, you know, it's, it's again, it's, it's, not, it's not just about getting press. It's about getting enough to do the job. Mm-hmm. And the job is going to be different on every show. You know, because if if it if it's a limited run, it really is about selling it out. Um, if it's a show that's open ended, then it's about spreading it around. It's about making different people in the company do different things. So there's a different kind of a story out there. So so you're shaping more of a perception rather than it just being a vehicle for one star. Is there anyone that you find out is going to be in a show and you just go, oh, they know how to do this and just. Um, they give good press. Yeah, I mean, you know, if, if, if you think it's like in musicals or something, someone like a Chris Siever, hmm. you know, just great. You know, he's 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 a fantastic company guy. He he totally gets up eight in the morning to do anything, and, and he delivers. You know, because because he's 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 innately funny, and 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 it's it's fun to have him around, and and he just loves doing it. In, in my in my younger days, Miss Channing, Carol Channing, perfect. There was a day when she did press every week on a tour. Would do as much as you needed to get the job done, and and was smart because she realised that was enough. You didn't need to do any more than that. You fit it all in, and it did enough to sell out the engagement. Mm-hmm. And and um, so I think it's 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 just it's it's part of the job. Um, but I think smart actors ask a lot of questions. Hmm. You spoke earlier about some of those times where you don't want press and you don't believe all yep. press is good press. And I don't want to try to explore the challenges currently facing one show that you're, you're oh, involved in. Um, <laughs> but we're reading all kinds of stuff about Spider-Man yeah. right, right now. Right, right, right. And I'm wondering about what, you can do when a show is challenged, when rumors are flying, when things have gone viral that right. aren't necessarily beneficial to the show. Yeah, I, I, I think that there's you know the, the, there's perception and there's 
the reality of the situation. And I think when, you know, when something bad happens, when, you know, an actor slaps another actor or something and whatever, you you can only, um, you can't contain it and then it will go viral and then it will play up for a while. What you can do is hang in there and this is actually easier on a show that isn't running. Once a show is running that happens, it's a nightmare because because there's going to be people hanging around and and seeing the reaction every night because the show is happening every night. But but if a show is hasn't opened yet and then there's rumors of trouble, all you can do is hang in until you have some good news to report. Cuz because you know there is very little point in getting into a debate of you know where things are, what's going on unless you have a next step. So if if there's been a lot of bad press about something which has come off something not happening, like a production shutting down for a while, you you can't, there's nothing to say. There is no point in explaining it until you can go to the next step. So it's, it's, it's nerves of steel because quite often what's happening is the... The producers are reorganizing, doing what they need to do. And, and now I'm not speaking specifically about Spider-Man. I'm just talking about any production that, that, that you know, either false starts or announces but then doesn't happen for a while. Um, y- y- there is no point in giving, like, a, a possible update. There is no point in, in, in trying to dispel rumors. The, I mean, the only thing you should do is you should say, we will update you shortly. Because if you say more than that, you just fuel the speculation. And so the, 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 it goes back to the Google pile. You, you want to be the latest news, so make sure that you put out some positive statement about we're back in production, opening on this date, the following actions are in the show, we have no further comment. And you, you will get some sniping, but eventually that will turn around once you get back on track. Um, it's 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 a nerve game because the producers want to say why are they saying these things was well because every stagehand in town is telling every other stagehand in town what they've heard so there are no secrets this business is transparent and so it's more transparent than ever again going right. back to where we started yeah. when everybody can twitter and yeah. everybody yeah. can and, and 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 I think we have to live with that mm-hmm. and 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 to me it's not even the production side that's so tough on that i feel bad for for the creative people, the, the writers and the actors who are trying to develop a new show, trying to do something in a private workshop or whatever, and there is no privacy. So, so there's no room to, to learn and fail in early stages. Um, but no, I, I, think, I think the damage control strategy is wait until you have something good to say. Hmm. Because, because I mean, the, the other side is it's, it's completely gone and is a disaster anyway, so... What does that matter? So just just stay the course. After all of these years, can you still just go to theater and have a good time? Um, not on Broadway. <laughs> I, c- I can do it out of town. I can do it in London. But on Broadway, <laughs> it's very hard. <laughs> I want to be standing at the back. <laughs> I, I, I do find so it even, hard to sit down. Even for shows that are not your shows? Yeah. No, I, I, I feel more comfortable standing at the back. Hmm. I mean, not to say I won't actually enjoy them, but I am. I'd rather, I'd rather not be an audience member. I'd rather be feeling like I was a participant. Mm-hmm. 
do you actively go after shows? Do you hear about shows yeah. and say, I want to do that? Yeah, no, we do. I mean, we're, we're very lucky in that we have some great producers who work with us a lot, and, and, and then new ones come along, and some of the, sometimes the old ones don't use us, and we, we've been really fortunate, I mean, Chris Bono and, and the great team that we have, in, in that having during a, during a tough few years, I mean, we, we've been really, not just lucky, but we've been very, you know, good about calling people saying this sounds interesting can we pitch you know whatever um every now and then a, you know a, a big title comes along i mean a few years back it was susical hmm. you know and everyone was flying up to toronto to see the workshop to say we want to work on it and everything um but but i think the the, the way productions come together is um unless it's a it's a completely new producer there there are allegiances and relationships with the producers already and so we, um, you know, it normally comes out of that. But every now and then there'll be a show that comes along that's being done off Broadway that might move or whatever, and and we'll put a call in saying, you know, what's going on? We'd love to talk to you about it. Hmm. Um, but but unlike an ad agency, we it's hard for us to actually show anything. It's 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 very much conceptual. Um, you know, an ad agency can show you a great presentation of this is what your bus side will look like. And, you know, we can do mock-ups of Time magazine covers, but... <laughs> <laughs> but there's no guarantee. But there's no there. guarantee. <laughs> but it won't cost you anything if you do get it. So what do you do for fun? What do I do for fun? Um, I go to movies. <laughs> <laughs> so that love is still there? <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I, I adore movies. Um, I, I love basically any kind of popular music from about 1966 on. Um, and um, no, I, I, do, I do go to theater a lot. And I, I love it. I also love network TV. You know, I, I, I am a consumer, and uh, I wish I had more time to read. Hmm. We haven't listed out what your shows are this season or current shows. Um, the official info that was given to me lists Mamma Mia, Jersey Boys, Bye Bye Birdie, Wishful Drinking, After Miss Julie, Million Dollar Quartet, the aforementioned Spider-Man, Lend me a tenor and La Caja Fall. Are and, they- and Hamlet? Okay. I'm I'm working off something uh, which okay, says yeah, Bono no, Brian Brown uh, on the top uh, of the page. So what? So, so what else um what else is current and and what's coming down the line? Yeah. Um I don't know, it's it's it looks like it's gonna be a really busy season. I mean it's just crazy. I mean last year was like one of the best play seasons since the eighties, right? I mean it was just extraordinary. Um, but no, there's there's a lot of good stuff coming, and there's a lot of good stuff coming off Broadway too. Um, like Sam Mendes is back with um, two more plays with the Bridge Project. And it started last year, so collaboration between BAM and the Old Vic in London. Um, and I, I thought the Winter's Tale and um, what was the other one? Winter's Tale and Cherry Orchard were, were, were phenomenal. I mean, it was great, and it was it was so exciting to see New York actors and London actors in a production together. And, and it worked. You know, I, I thought it was brilliant. And, and he's going to do it again with uh, As You Like It and The Tempest uh, coming to BAM in, the, in uh, January, February. And I, I think it's fantastic. I, I love that idea. Um, and so Christian Camargo, who just did a great Hamlet, is, is going to be in them. And Stephen Delane from London, who um, won, I guess, a Tony for um, The Real, Real Thing. Thing revival here. And so I, I just, I love that concept, and I love that it's, 
um, to Shakespeare's you know, mm. in, 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 in kind of a quasi-commercial world. And then you've got Hamlet with um, Jude Law in a purely commercial world now, coming from the Dom on off-profit in London, which is great production. I mean, really exciting. So I, I think it's cool. There's tons of Shakespeare around um, being done in, in really powerful productions by people who know how to do it. So th- that's good. Um, and, and further on it, too, um, I don't know if you saw um, the NT Live experiment with Phaedra. Yes. You know, and, and so the National Theatre in London um, has followed the Met um, in setting up a network of movie houses to do live broadcasts, although they're tape delayed because we're in North America. But, but the, the concept is live. And they did a Phaedra with Helen Mirren, um, which I thought was actually really successful. I went in dreading it, thinking this is going to be like paint drying. I wondered whether it was just going to feel like masterpiece theater yeah. proje- or, or great performances right. projected on a bigger screen. But, 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 but the HD on big screen and, and the – it was very simply filmed but very cleanly filmed. Um, it really worked. Hmm. And, and they're going to be doing that um, with – I think it's All's Well That Ends Well um, in early October. Um, and I, I just think – you know, it's it's never going to be a replacement for the live theatre experience, but in so many ways, we can't all get to London to see shows, um, and God knows it's a green way to sh- to present theatre. <laughs> um, so I think you know, if another fifty million people, fifty million, fifty thousand people can see a production that way, I I think we should experiment, and, and I hope that North American companies can do it soon. And I, and I also like the feeling of community in that um, you know, theatre companies across the country are hosting screenings of it. So the idea that Steppenwolf is showing a national theatre production out of London is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's, it's not theatre and it's not pretending to be. But I think it is um, it's still telling a story in, in, a, in a great way. Um, sorry. So my final question is simply... Is it strange for you to be sitting in front of a microphone than lurking behind I, it? I hate it. I hate it. I, I'm a catalyst. I'm not a talker. I'm, I'm not a, um, you know, I, I, I think on paper. I, I don't think in front of a microphone. And then I think on a screen. Uh, you know, but I, um, no, it's, it's I, I, I think press agents should be zealot-like. I, I, I think we, we, are, we are part of the fabric. And, and it should be, isn't that, that actor, he gets so much attention. Should be about the actor getting so much attention, hmm. and so yes. Well, I love the fact that I can, for the first time, wrap an interview uh, with the guest saying I hated it. Despite that, I did not hate it. <laughs> Despite the, fact. I hate the process. <laughs> Let me say, Adrian Brian Brown, thank you for being with us on Downstage Center. Thank you, Howard. Our engineer for this Downstage Center program is Chad Bernhard. Our director of web development is Rob Perry, and our producer is Gail Yankosik. Downstage Center is recorded in the CUNY TV radio studio at the City University of New York's Graduate School of Journalism in Manhattan. Along with this program, all of the educational and media work of the American Theatre Wing is available online, on demand, for free, from americantheaterwing.org. You can follow ATW on Twitter at The Wing and follow me as well on Twitter as H.E. Sherman. 
If you're a regular listener to or viewer of Wing Programs, we hope you'll consider giving us financial support to sustain our work. Just visit our website and click on Support ATW. For Downstage Center and the American Theater Wing, I'm Howard Sherman. Thanks for listening, and no matter where you live, I hope we'll see you at the theater.